Welcome back to episode 7 of the Northern Steel Podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Paskowski, and with me as always is my brother, Christopher Paskowski. The Northern Steel Podcast is a podcast all about the Steelers from the minds of people not from Pittsburgh. That's going to be important later. So, usually how we start this off is with an NFL feedback or NFL recap, sorry. And uh, then we then we have a segment about players being drafted, and then maybe some extra news, which I forgot to have set up, but that's okay. I'll do that while we're talking. Uh, as we're doing an NFL recap, things have actually happened this week, Chris. He can't hear me. Sorry, say that, ag- say that again. I took it out right when you were speaking to me. I said things actually happened this week in the NFL. Uh, did they? They did. One of them being... A lot of people have been freaking out about cryptic tweets and Deontay Johnson supposedly wanting a higher contract. Sure. That is, we have seen a lot of uh, full on, this this is where the comment I made earlier about fans outside of Pittsburgh, nothing wrong with being from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a beautiful place. I love Pittsburgh. I wish I lived there myself. But some of we'll call Yinzers just overreact to everything that happens with the Steelers in a really negative way. And there was, I saw a lot of overreactions to this Deontay Johnson news. And frankly, Chris, I don't really think it matters that much. I don't really care. No, it's definitely not a, a pertinent thing that we need to be worried or stressed about right now. Uh, especially with the draft coming up, like, come on, why, why is this even a, a, a topic of conversation? People want to talk about uh, that Deontay Johnson doesn't deserve the amount he's asking for because uh, he drops the ball all the time uh, because he just he just can't catch. Apparently, that's just what that's what I've been being told. Just got some drops here and there, I thought, but apparently he can't catch at all. That's what people are saying. Um. And uh, they really have been over- freaking out about if Deontay wants to leave and maybe we should trade him for more picks. We should trade him here, trade him there. It's pretty ridiculous. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that DJ, yes, he's had some problems with drops, uh, but at the same time, he also gets about 150 plus targets in the last uh, X amount of years, and granted, he, he even last year we saw such a jump and leap from where he was the year before, and he and he worked on it in the off season. I think I saw a stat where in the first I don't know twelve games or something like that he had oh gosh like I think he had no drops like in the first ten games, and I think in the last uh, seven games he had seven drops, including right. the playoffs. So it's like obviously he he cleaned it up, you know. If you're going to get targeted a hundred and fifty plus times, you're bound to drop something. And especially if seven is that number, and that's how many drops you had out of however many passes, I, I feel like Steeler fans are looking way too deep into Deontay, and they're just trying to find something to complain about. Now, do I think Deontay is a bona fide wide receiver one in this league? I don't know. You know, after being spoiled with Antonio Brown, I wouldn't say yes. Do I think he is bad? No, I think he's good. I think we kind of have two wide receiver twos. 
But if you're a Yinzer out there and you're looking for a new wide receiver, this next news was probably music to your ears because the Steelers signed Miles Boykin. Huh? That what you yeah. wanted? Yeah. Woo. That's what we all wanted, right? Miles Boykin. He's really good, right? Uh, no. He's super good. <laughs> Miles Boykin, if you don't know, it comes from an AFC rival. He comes from the Baltimore Ravens. Chris, stop flirting with your fiance. <laughs> I don't know what you're he, talking about. He comes from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he was drafted in the third round. And uh, watching his tape, honestly, dude, I feel like drafting him in the third round is kind of a reach for the Ravens. Granted, that's kind of what the Ravens do when they draft wide receivers. They kind of reach for projects, and it doesn't really pan out. Um, he's got the athletic ability. There's just something about him that isn't there, I guess. It's hard It's hard to really explain. It's tough, right? And I feel like Miles Boykin hasn't really had a chance to prove himself necessarily, especially with the Ravens offense. They're, they're not necessarily a team that goes for passes. And I mean, you and I have said this before. Uh, when you have a running back at quarterback and then you have running backs in uh, five different positions on the offense, you don't you don't really throw it a whole lot. And I mean, he's already got Andrews on there. He's got Hollywood Brown. As far as I'm concerned, I think that's the yeah, only sure. two players that he knows sure. of. Sure, we, we can talk about that, but I'm talking about more about his actual talent itself. Now, sure, he, sure, sure, sure. His actual like physical body, his, I think he is six, four. Is that right? Yeah, I think he's 6'4", yeah. I think he's 6'4", 200 plus pounds. Um, he was known as like an, uh, or he was pictured as like an athletic freak, Miles Boykin is. If you look sure. at his highlights from college, uh, he played at Notre Dame. He played with Claypool. Uh, he, he had some really great catches and breaking tackles and, and showed yeah. some speed. But he doesn't, something about it, he like doesn't have a burst of speed. It's just kind of like one speed only. There's something that he's missing there, right? I'm not really sure what it is. I would I would like to think that the Steelers hopefully can bring whatever is, you know, uh, locked inside of them out into fruition more than the Ravens could. Because like you just said, to that point, the Ravens offensive scheme doesn't bode well for receivers, mostly, even though the Ravens fans want every wide receiver in the book. Um, but mm-hmm. their offensive, offensive plan isn't really for that. So maybe ours can be. But I would say that the Steelers should still draft a wide receiver. This upcoming draft, and you're looking at Miles Boykin being a number four, which isn't bad. The thing where Miles Boykin too could also improve is, like I just said, he was teammates with Chase Claypool at Notre Dame. He was the number the number one over Chase Claypool at Notre Dame. Had uh, similar stats to him, but more touchdowns, a little bit more yards. I think there already were teammates. I'm assuming they were friends. And I think that's going to maybe help out that chemistry as well, too. For sure. Uh, moving on to the actual wide receiver news that a lot of Yinzers, again, are maybe looking <laughs> looking at is uh, Debo Samuel wants to be traded out of San Fran. Ugh. This news kind of came out of left field, I felt like. I, 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 it yeah. doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because I thought no. there was kind of I thought there was like jokes about it. Like I read that uh, Debo Samuel's brother on Facebook had mentioned that uh, he was getting traded, but that he was joking around and that it was no big deal. But I guess this, this claim has gone to San Fran for over a week now. 
And I'm not really sure why I, I I've heard he wants a giant payday because these uh, stupid receivers like Tyreek and um, even Christian Kirk have kind of messed up the wide receiver market. And he wants a large payday, but he also, which is really interesting to me, he does not want to play the wide back role. They played in San Fran towards the end. He doesn't want to do the running back stuff. He wants to be a true wide receiver. The reason why that's interesting to me is because I remember in the playoffs when he was kind of, the Niners were beating every team on their way to making it to the NFC Championship game. That was kind of what they all talked about was Debo Samuel's running ability. And he like talked about it proud after like post games. He's, he's like, oh, they call that the wide back. That's the news position for me, the wide back. It's really cool. I'm the only guy who can do it, even though Cordell Patterson does it. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting that like now he's saying that he hates that. He's like frustrated with the Niners that that's what his role has been. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of take out of it, right? I, I think it's honestly kind of ridiculous, in my opinion, for him to want to request a trade. I feel like as far as things go, Debo's kind of their guy. He's the, he's the dude that um, San Fran will be looking for, especially with George Kittle on there. Like that, that's a really good lineup. But the thing that gets to me is the fact that I feel like other than last season, has he done? A, I guess I guess I'm gonna kind of leave out a controversial question. Do you feel like Debo has done enough to deserve that big big payday? Because I mean, other than last year, he's been in the league for three years. The years before that was like 300 receiving yards, and then his rookie year was 800 receiving yards. Right. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I have some points about that that have kind of irritated me today reading these tweets on it. A lot of uh, in the Steelers community Twitter page where our Northern Steel podcast, we tweet out questions of the day. Uh, this isn't necessarily related to that. I'm just kind of giving you a source of where these tweets have come from. A lot of uh, Yinzers have wanted us to trade for Debo Samuel. Even there's NFL.com articles saying the Steelers should trade for Debo Samuel. He'd be an immediate wide receiver one. And everyone's always talking about how he's an immediate wide receiver one. I think his biggest asset is how he, excuse me, I have to burp. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> is how he can uh, break tackles with his running ability. Not like juking, but he's just so strong. However, mm-hmm. If if you're a fan that really does does not want to pay Deontay Johnson, but you want to pay Debo Samuel that money and more because you think he's that better of an asset, let me pull up some stats for you. Okay, I already have them up. <laughs> I have them as well. So you have the same stats. Yeah. Uh, Debo Samuel and uh, Debo Samuel's played in 38 games. Deontay Johnson's played in 47. Uh, Debo started 31. Deontay started 39. So. For targets, Debo has had 246 targets. Deontay's had 405, a lot more targets, right? He's getting the ball a lot more. He ha- uh, Debo's had 167 receptions. Deontay's had 254 receptions. Okay, so obviously those numbers are going to be more. He's got more targets. The reception yards, this is where you can talk about, um, you know, Debo. This is where you can give the pluses to Debo because his reception yards and his career so far is about 2,600. And Deontay's is 27.64 when he has almost 100 more catches, which brings obviously average of Debo's 15.6 to Deontay's 10.9. However, 
we all know Debo can break tackles, and he that's kind of what he's used for to to break those things. So it doesn't surprise me that his uh, yards per reception is that high. And just to think about, too, these past two years with Ben under center, all of our pass plays are short slants. So it doesn't really surprise me that Deontay's yards per reception are so low. Regardless, if you want to use that as an argument, you can. Uh, Debo has 10 receiving touchdowns. Deontay has 20. He's got double the amount. And I think this is the most interesting one for users that are so mad about Deontay dropping the ball, but we want Debo so bad. Debo has 23 drop passes, and Deontay has 24. But Deontay has 100. He has uh, almost 200 more targets, but only one more drop pass than Debo. So for all you Steelers fans who wow. really want who really want a uh, uh, Deontay gone, because all you can say is that he drops the ball at the time, uh, as far as drop rate go, goes, Debo drops the ball more. I saw one fan who was mad and said, yeah, well, has Debo ever led the NFL in drops like Deontay has? Yes. Last year, led the NFL in drops with 12. So, yes, he has. Just like Deontay has. Yeah, uh, 12 drops last year? Uh, Debo sure? did? Yes, he did. Wow. And... Uh, this I see another student fans when because th- this stat sheet I just read off on this podcast it's kind of being passed around for people who really want Debo Samuel and then people are saying well that's a that, that's a skewed comparison you know, like like where's his rushing stats where's his running stats yes he is a great runner he's a great runner but it's you can throw that out, well it's not unfair you can throw that out the window because he says he doesn't want to play that position anymore so who sure, cares sure. what his rushing stats are. If you want Debo Samuel, it doesn't matter what his rushing sets are. He doesn't want to do that anymore. He wants to be a pure wide receiver. So when you look up the wide receiver stats, his pure wide receiver stats of Debo and Deontay, I say Deontay edges him out right now as some pure wide receiver stats. For sure. And and I mean, it's exactly like we said. And granted, I know Debo faced his injury last season um, and, you know, didn't didn't necessarily have the stats there. Uh, but I mean, looking at it, it's not like Debo or Deontay was that far behind him last year in stats anyway. I mean, he, Deontay even had more touchdowns than Debo did receiving. Right. And it's just, it kind of blows my mind. And it, ma- and it makes me think back to, uh, when Pro Bowl selections happened. Cause do you remember the big thing happening with DJ where, he, uh, Keenan Allen was placed above him and everyone was right. like, Oh my gosh, I'm so upset. Like. DJ had a way better season. He's he's better than Keenan, everything like that. I feel like these are easily the same exact people, fans that are like saying, Oh, let's get rid of DJ. Let's let's have Debo back in there. And I'm like, why how can you be so wishy-washy with the way that you feel about this guy? And yeah, of course, people are just going to look at the negatives and and see the drops as the big thing. But that's I'm glad that you brought up the stats because I mean, I didn't know that he had all those drops. Debo did, but I I feel like at that point, it's kind of a no-brainer. I'm not saying that Debo isn't talented, but at the same time, why get rid of someone who could arguably produce similar numbers? Right. Right? Who already that, knows the system, who already is in Pittsburgh, who already like you know has that chemistry with the team. I don't know why you try to get rid of that. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I think like Debo... Is is such a high touted wide receiver because of his his wide back position he played because of his rushing ability 
Now, if he was still keeping that, I would I would say, hey, you know what? Maybe pull a flyer on this guy and see what he's worth, because then you knock up a backup running back position for us too. You, if you if you can spell Najee Harris with some Debo Samuel running the ball, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm not going to take away the talent that he has running the ball because he does have a talent doing it. The issue is, is he apparently doesn't want to do that anymore. So if you just take pure wide receiver stats, they're very similar. So I don't understand the point in trading away a pick plus paying him the amount that we want to pay Deontay Johnson. Well, honestly, and we'd probably pay Deontay less than Debo realistically than what probably. he's going to get. So I, I just don't, I don't understand it personally. And you know what? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong because uh, I, I, I got a little heated and that can be a hot take that people can visit down the line and maybe I'll end up on some frozen take Twitter page um, because <laughs> I foresee him being traded. If he does get traded, I foresee him being traded to the, someone like the Chiefs. The Chiefs have two first-round picks. They could trade one of them for sure because the, the Niners don't pick until number 61. So they could easily trade a first-round pick for him since they have two. The Niners don't have one in general. And I think Debo Samuel, if he actually plays the wide-back position, would fit very well in the Chiefs' offense. And then, but even if he doesn't, I mean, Patrick Mahomes on the ball, watch him go off, and then, you know, I'll, I'll eat my words. The thing is, is I just don't think for us, it's a great fit. Wow. Can you imagine us losing both Juju and Deontay to the Chiefs? Well, I said Debo, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, you said Debo? My bad. I, yeah. No, I heard Debo, the Dean, Debo. I blacked out thinking about my thought. My bad. But, uh, um, no, yeah. Debo. I, I just, just because you brought up the Chiefs, and this is the only thing I'm going to say on it. Yeah. I, I remember seeing a tweet. The other day, uh, someone being like, man, how do you think Pat Mahomes is going to do without Tyreek on the team? And I kind of thought about that for a second. And in my mind, I was like, why do I feel like that statement should have been the exact opposite? Because like, I think Pat Mahomes has proven himself. He's literally made names out of guys like Pringle and being like, you know, and it's, it's, yeah, Hardman. And he still has uh, uh, Kelsey. Right, and he's, so and he's got Juju now, and he's got Juju now. So it's like I, I think the better question is to be like, how is Tyreek gonna fare with not Pat Mahomes? Because I yeah. think this is a big year for Tua to prove himself. But we don't have to get into that. I just I thought about that because no, you brought yeah, up totally. the Chiefs. Because I mean, because we talked about it before, this is like a Tua's prove it year. If he can't succeed in this offense, then he's not making it. That's basically it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the last bit of NFL news that also relates to the Steelers we can talk about briefly is uh, reported today, apparently, that if Baker Mayfield was to be released, the Steelers would sign him like that. For those listening, I snapped my fingers. What? That's apparently what is being reported by Jeff Darlington. Now, at my Yahoo initial- Sports? <laughs> I'm not sure where that is. I'm also very annoyed at my wife who used my AirPods all day long, and I'm going to have to switch my headphones to these very soon, which is, you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm going to get them ready to switch. Anyways, my initial thoughts on the Baker Mayfield trade or potential acquisition for the Steelers is tricky because on one hand, you know, I liked Baker coming out for the Browns, and I wanted the Browns to succeed. 
and then they got cocky, and then I hated them. And I went to a Vikings Browns game here in Minnesota, and I just talked so much, so much trash to Baker from the stands. And he did not play well. He didn't play well last year at all. And I was very happy to see that. So uh, the the thing is, is like I want to give Mitch a chance. I do like Mitch. I think Baker is also a good quarterback. And here's the thing. On one side, if you make a pro and con list, if we got Baker Mayfield, on one side, I think that the the pros of it is that that gives you two options, Mitch or Baker, to kind of run the season with. I, I would feel comfortable with either one. And then it both can, uh, as a backup, is good. Two, I, uh, I think that... Sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Um, oh, I was going to say, too, is if you get a quarterback, like, if you get a quarterback, if you get Baker Mayfield, that hopefully means to me that we're not drafting one in the first round. I think that's kind of like, as these weeks have progressed, I've really moved away from wanting to draft the quarterback in general this year. So that, those are like the two pros to me. The two cons to me is like the drama that would, would come potentially from it. Not because I think Baker Mayfield's a dramatic person, but... That with the fact that we signed Mitch and our signing Baker Mayfield, who starts? Who's gonna who's gonna be the player? I don't know if I'd really want to deal with that. Uh I don't know what the money situation is gonna look like. Um I do think he would play his butt off against the Browns, but I also don't know if he's really that good because I didn't really like him playing with the Browns. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. I don't know. I'm I I guess, I guess I'm kinda like indifferent. I think if they were if he were to be signed, I don't think I'd be excited, I guess. You know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because I I do remember hearing that a lot of last season he played with that rib injury, and obviously that can be a lot of really tough and in, in the way that uh, players perform. Um, also, I I don't know how much I believe a lot of that with uh, him coming to us. I mean, I, I just feel like that would make the whole signing of Trubisky really pointless. I I feel like Steelers. F- for whatever reason, have their hearts set on a QB in this draft. Uh, we'll see what happens, obviously. But I I don't know. I, I feel like there was a take that I saw in regards to Baker Mayfield talking about um, how the Panthers are looking at a potential option of getting Baker in a, in a trade scenario. And in my mind, I, I kind of liked that a lot more. And I don't know, you and I have discussed in previous weeks saying how you know, I don't really, I don't hate Baker. Obviously, I, I didn't like him because he was on the Browns. He's going against us and he had a chip on his shoulder. Um, but like you said, when he got drafted, you wanted him to succeed. And then they got cocky and they got like really intense. Um, I, I think wherever he goes, you know, I, I don't think I'll, I'll harbor that, you know, rivalry hatred towards him anymore. But I, I really would not like to see him on our team just because we got Mitch and we might see uh, a young rookie coming onto our team and everything. Right. Uh, right. So we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens. Obviously the draft is in a week, so that'll be a, and, and I heard that they're going to try to deal Baker possibly before the draft. At least that's what they would like to do. So yeah, I don't I, see that happening. Cause I, I don't see that happening because uh, they don't have, they don't hold any leverage right now. So no, no absolutely not. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the NFL news, uh, the, for this week that I cared about mostly cause they all had to deal with the Steelers. So mm-hmm. now I think, uh, let's move on Chris to 
our fourth round of this little topic. This was really weird talking with these headphones in, but I'm glad you can hear me. Uh, let's move on with this new topic. Uh, the, the, the fourth round of us picking a position of need for the Steelers to draft. Uh, and this week we had picked linebacker. I think linebacker is a really interesting position for us to talk about because even though we got Miles Jack, I know a lot of Steelers fans are on the fence on Devin Bush. I think he can turn around. I know Chris thinks he can turn it around too, but it's not a bad idea to maybe look at one for potential depth. Uh, and also for potential, if Bush doesn't meet expectations and he's gone, maybe this person can step in. Uh, so again, I got three players. Chris has three players. I really like Chris's three players, so I'm excited for him to go. Um, <laughs> and my three players are a little surprising. I will give my takes on them, but we try to pick some players that might go uh, as late as third round. I don't foresee the Steelers drafting a linebacker after round three. And if they do draft an inside linebacker after round three, it's not really worth it, in my opinion. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I'll start it off. The first linebacker I went for is Christian Harris from Alabama. Oh, Christian Harris. You, you know, I think uh, Chris and I, especially I know for myself, have an infatuation with Alabama linebackers, and they normally don't super succeed in the NFL, which is a little worrisome. But I really liked Mac Wilson who was on the Browns, and now he's on the Patriots, I believe. But I really liked Mac Wilson, and uh, he was okay. And I really liked Dylan Moses, who was released this year already after one year on the Jaguars. So that's a little scary. But nonetheless, here's Christian Harris. He had a 4-4-4-4-4 yard dash. Uh, Vertical jump, 34 inches. Uh, a big guy, or an average size guy, six feet tall, 226 pounds. Uh, watching his tape, man, there's not really much to say about Christian Harris. He was supposed to be the number one middle inside linebacker going into college this last year. It's not that he had a bad year, per se, but I don't know if he really elevated his play enough to be considered number one anymore. A lot of people have other linebackers in front of him. His 2021 stats... He had 79 tackles, just like in 2020. Uh, 45 of them were solo, five and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, and three pass defense. Uh, not bad. You know, it, it, it is, it's fine. The thing with the 79 tackles, which is kind of rough, is, like I said, Dylan Moses was the linebacker last year for Alabama, and he was the number two guy. So being the number one guy, you would hope that number would maybe increase, and it didn't. I know Alabama's got a good defense around them, and they play strong opponents, but those numbers didn't really jump up or increase at all. Watching his tape, he seemed very calm, which is not a bad thing. The thing that that surprised me the most is he didn't seem very fast. He seemed slow, but a 4-4-4 out of the linebackers I'm looking at is the fastest one I have on this list, which surprised me. Um, he which is not four 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 is not that bad as far as speed goes. Oh, absolutely not. He uh he can kind of play it all. You know, he, he's just really solid. He seemed really smart. He he uh the, the thing he excelled at, I would say, is probably blitzing the quarterback. He was able to track them down and, and blitz the line really well. But as far as everything else, I mean, he uh, played the flats well, played the slants, played the running game really well. But everything about him was like very patient. And I think that maybe worries me about someone like Christian Harris is because he's so patient. 
we dealt with that a lot last year because our defensive line wasn't very good. Where by the time you're being patient with like uh, with Devin Bush, that lineman's already out there and you're blocked out of the play. We just really need a guy who can shoot through uh, a hole, and I, I, we really haven't had that since Shazier. Right, and uh, so, or, or at least someone who can like shed. And it's not necessarily that he wasn't really shedding tackles. He was just kind of waiting for his opportunity. Uh, when he was in pass coverage and man coverage, he was, um, you know, he he didn't do too bad. The two pass defenses I saw were thrown behind the receiver, but he was on him pretty tight. I mean, I hate when linebackers cover wide receivers and tight ends anyways, but it's going to happen. But the 4-4 speed, you have to imagine that he should be able to get the job done on some occasions for tight ends, at least. For sure. Um, I think he will be drafted in the second round. Um, but I don't necessarily, I mean, if we, if we were to draft him, I wouldn't be upset about it. Now, uh, this next one, this is, this is going to surprise Chris. I would actually be okay. If we drafted, I actually be happier if we drafted this player. It really shocks me because I was actually not a fan for a long time until I watched this tape today. No the way line- are you going to say the name. Yeah, I am. The next linebacker is Chad Muma. Wow, I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah, out of Wyoming. It, uh, it, dude, watching this tape, it was really shocking to watch his tape. I was thoroughly impressed. The thing that shocked me the most is actually how fast he looked on his tape compared to Christian Harris, but how much slower his 40-yard dash time was. His 40, really? dash, his 40 yard dash time was a four six three. Oh wow. But he looked really fast. Uh Chad Mumma is 6'3, 239 pounds. And mm. uh man, his vertical jump is 40 40, which is really good, which makes a lot of sense because there's a highlight in there where he jumps straight up in the air and he blocks a field goal attempt off his fingertips. Um he his his highlight tape looks super good. I know Wyoming doesn't play in the strongest class, but I was blown away kind of by his aggressiveness and his play recognition and his intelligence while playing linebacker. Um, this is going to sound kind of racist, but I don't really like white linebackers, even though we have the best one in the league, TJ Watt, <laughs> and. Uh, I, I don't know. Something about it is like, I was like, I don't really know how good they're going to do as a linebacker, but uh, he was great. Uh, he, he was super fast. The ball, he, he, for his stats, just to let you know, this is kind of what you more want more of a, of a middle linebacker stat. He had 142 tackles last year, 85 solo, one and a half sacks, one fumble return and three picks, one pass defense with his three picks. Three of uh, two of them were were pick sixes. Um, wow, he played zone coverage really well. He played man coverage really well when he was getting those picks. He was rocking people like just destroying them. He was running full speed and lighting them up. Uh, I didn't see a thing I really didn't like. He had the aggressiveness. He had the attitude that the Steelers like in their linebackers, and I really really enjoyed watching his tape. I would encourage you to. Watch it and give it a chance if you're on the fence. I know I was. I wasn't really hyped around this player, but I don't know. He looked really good, man. Um, one last thing, too, with his run defense, kind of like how I said with Christian Harris as he was waiting. And uh, Chad Muma waits in a different way. It's more productive. He kind of slithers through 
the, the, the blocks and the cracks and the holes and finds his guy and, and gets after him. He was really good at run defense, but he was very good at block shedding and understanding where the holes develop in a run scheme. And I think that's very important too. He sure. just seemed overall like a very intellectual player and uh, he's probably going to go in the second round. It'd be awesome if because of his speed dropped him down to the third round, I would love to take him there. Interesting. The last guy I have is Quay Walker. Quay Walker. The, the reason why I picked him is because recently he had a visit with the Steelers brass um, as a potential draft option. But, you know, watching his tape, Honestly, nothing really impressed me about him. Um, I'm not really on the Quay Walker train, per se. His, uh, he, now, he is big. He's huge. He's 6'4", 241 pounds. My gosh. 4'5", uh, 240-yard dash, and a 32 vertical jump. Uh, his highlights, it was weird, right? Um, the best way I can explain it is it's kind of, misle- kind of misleading. He... He also played flats and halfback tosses very well. He was able to he could match them to the line and was able to get not stop them from getting big chunks, uh, big yardage gains and big big chunks of yardage. the The thing with him is is they started showing PFF rankings. Now, me and Chris haven't talked about this a lot, but PFF we do not like. <laughs> I think the <laughs> rankings are kind of booty cheeks. But uh, they had his PFF ranking or his grade of run defense at a 90.8. And when I was watching his run defensive plays, at least the ones that they showed, he didn't really do anything that great run defensively. He was there to help out with gang tackling. He was there to help, but he didn't really like, he wasn't really the first one there every time. And then they did the same thing with kind of pass defense. They gave him a 90 grade or a, or a pass rushing 90 grade. I was like, okay, let me see this. Well, he didn't really blitz through or do this. Like his sacks were either a missed block and no one blocked him at all, or the quarterback just kind of went into the pocket towards him. Uh, what's sure. interesting is that he is rated higher than a lot of the linebackers that Chris is going to say, but I thought, I think he might be the worst one that I have watched. And I personally wouldn't be. I don't know. To, to me, like if you draft a Quay Walker, you are purely looking at depth at that point. He's a big guy. Maybe they can. And with Brian Flores being a linebacker coach, maybe you could really take this guy and elevate him to a next level. And then now you've got this big athletic dude who can do a lot more than what I saw in college, which would be obviously what you want to do. Uh, but as of right now, I'm not super hyped on it. But I've been not hyped on players in the past and they've turned out really good. So you never know. But those are kind of my three guys. Sure. Good oh, takes. Before I, uh, so before I leave you, Quay Walker's stats, uh, I always forget to do this. He had 63 tackles last year, one and a half sacks, two pass defense. That's it. It's all right. All right. Shall I go? Yes, please. All right. <laughs> so, Dom, I don't know. I was thinking about this a lot. And, uh, you know, when the linebacker position is brought up, you know, I think about big hits, especially coming from Steelers. I, I think about big hits that leave people saying, damn, 
you know yeah and uh you know you know what else likes dams Hmm. beavers wow great (laughs) you want to know why i brought up beavers well i can take a guess but why don't you take it away so we're talking about uh cincinnati's linebacker darian beavers no way who would have thought did see that who would have thought and uh he's definitely a guy to me that watching his highlight tapes uh a couple of those hits you know you just stop there and you go damn uh the dude is big and he's strong and uh, uh aggressive and i and i like him a lot uh he's one of the first linebackers that i actually took a look at and I sent him over to Dom, and I, I, I actually kind of encourage you to take a look at his highlights again. I'm watching him right now uh, as I'm talking about him. But uh, the thing that, that really speaks out to me is he's just a sure tackler. He, he definitely wraps up guys and lays the boom all at the same time. Uh, and there's just like a little, there's, there's actually a lot to appreciate about that. Um, now, on top of his play style and everything, Darren Beavers is a big man. He stands at six foot four, uh, 237 pounds, uh, and he has a 36 and a half foot vert, and he ran a 4.4840. So he's actually a lot faster than what his tape shows. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I was kind of surprised with his 40 time because, like, watching his tape, I don't think there's anything about his speed that really shoots out at me, but. Heck, maybe it's just his acceleration that lacks a little bit, but his top end speed, he's he's get he's getting there, man. So um I I really like it. I feel like he definitely screams out uh Pittsburgh Steeler with the way that he goes about playing and his physicality. He's aggressive, and I just really enjoy that about him. Uh 2021, he had uh 98 total tackles and eleven tackles for loss. Um, he also had four sacks and then two forced fumbles. Um, Darian Beavers has been a player that early on, I saw him start up as like a second round, but he's slowly, slowly dropping. Uh, and I've seen him in mocks even going in the fourth round, uh, which I think would be an absolute steal if he dropped that low. I don't know why. Uh, so maybe I, I, would, I need to do a little bit more research, but um, definitely interesting to see how he went from a uh, higher prospect and now he's dropping. So um, I don't know, look, look for his name in the upcoming draft. And I definitely encourage anyone uh, who's interested to take a look at his, his highlights. Uh, he's, he's got some good ones on here. He also played at the senior bowl, uh, just like Chad Muma. And um, I thought he did well there as well. He is mm-hmm. very, Locked in, and I think he was the student caller for the defense. And yeah, not not a bad pick at all for sure. Would be happy with him on the team. Sure. My next guy that I'm going to talk about is honestly probably my favorite linebacker in the draft, um, and that's Mr. Damone Clark out of LSU. Uh, Damone Clark to me is probably exactly what you want out of a linebacker. Uh, he's six foot two, uh, 239 pounds. Uh, and his, he has a lot of giddy up to him. The dude is fast. He's aggressive. And you can just tell that he wants to be a part of every single play and he loves it. He likes to have fun with it. Um, 
uh, watching his highlights, he just he gets after it. His ability to shoot through gaps, which I brought up earlier with Dom, is something that I feel like we've missed a lot of. Um, it, I, I feel like he he covers that super well, uh, which is great. I, I miss seeing a guy being able to just pick a hole and go through it. Uh, and, and I feel like nine times out of ten from what I've seen, he actually uh, picks up the tackle and gets the right hole in there, which is uh, just honestly really impressive. Um, he can play both in the uh, rush uh, for the QB, uh, the run game, and also pass. Uh, I th- I feel like his coverage is actually pretty decent for a linebacker, which is good, uh, being that the Steelers put linebackers on uh, wide receivers. Uh, so we'll need a, a kind of a quick guy <laughs> like Damone um, uh, to possibly cover guys for us in the future. Um, right. What stood out to me big time was just his stats. Uh, he had 135 total tackles last season. Uh, just kind of showing you that he is literally a part of every single play. Uh, he had 15 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles. Um, I've seen, yeah, I, I've seen his name. They've talked about him a lot. He was potentially going to be a day one, uh, more so into day, early day two. Uh, but Damone Clark uh, had or sustained a herniated disc in his back. I think they saw that at the combine, right? Is that it was at his uh, pro day. It was at his pro day. They discovered that he had a herniated disc. Uh, and so he, he had a spinal fusion surgery, which is going to, uh, unfortunately take him out of his rookie year altogether. Completely. Um, but at the same time, if, if that pushes him down the boards, I'd be totally happy with getting Mr. Damone Clark in a later round. And again, if he can play to the level that he's clearly showing in these highlights, um, gosh, I would, I'd be stoked to have him represent the Steelers. Uh, I would, yeah, it'd be super exciting. I think that's the interesting thing, right? Is that you have the option to maybe get a guy like Damone Clark, who I think you and I both really, really like his tape. And I think he might be one of the best middle linebackers in this class. But because of his injury, you're kind of doing a risk in saying that, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to get zero production out of this guy. Hopefully he can play the same way. And uh, we'll see you next year after that. Because he will not play at all. Right. It, it was th- interesting. Uh, oh, sorry. Go for it. No, that's fine. Go, go ahead. I was just going to say it was interesting because... He looks fast. He looks faster than Darian Beavers, but he actually ran a four five seven, oh, uh, which is a little slower. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting because he does look fast, though. Yeah, but hey, you know what? Um, if he drops all the way down to like a, this won't happen by any means. But if he drops to like a seventh rounder, jeez, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> dude, seriously. <laughs> All right, and to wrap it up, uh, I I had to save this guy for last just because every single mock draft, every single thing I've been seeing lately, that we've been getting this guy in the second round, and I wanted to see what all the hype was about. So I looked it up, and uh, it's Mr. Leo Chanel, uh, linebacker out of Wisconsin. Uh, Now, you know, draft boards change all the time. Player rankings change, and it's kind of crazy. And I think that's what makes the draft so fun. Is you, when the day comes, no matter how many mock drafts you can do, 
you never know what's going to happen. And it's crazy and how, how players fall, rise, things like that. So seeing Leo Chanel kind of in the last couple of weeks being in that number two, like second round spot was a bit surprising to me until I looked at his tape and my gosh, I was so pleased and, and just thoroughly enjoyed watching his tape. Um, Leo Chanel is six foot three, 250 pounds. He ran a 4.53 40 and had a 40.5 inch vertical. All right. So this dude is just an athletic freak and has a, a really scary build to him, which is exactly what you want with a middle linebacker position. Uh, the things that really stood out to me uh, is his ability to just literally get through the holes to shed tackles. I, I think like half of his highlight tapes is literally lining up on the line right behind a de- defensive lineman and just getting through there so quickly just because the linemen do not move fast enough to get to him. And then he just goes and, and tackles the guy. And I, I think a big part of that uh, is, you know, looking at his stats, he had 115 total tackles. The The part that really popped out to me was he had 18 and a half tackles for loss just mm-hmm. last season. That's 18 nuts. and a half. That's insane. That's nice. All right. And, and gosh, I, I, I look at him and I, again, it's like, you know, I, I know he never played with TJ. TJ was a bit before his time, but he, he shows a lot of the same mannerisms that TJ does. And I don't know if that's a Wisconsin thing, but gosh, he's just pumped to be in there and he likes to get in the face of the quarterback. And I was just really impressed. Uh, just nothing but good things to say about him. Um, I kind of wish they would have showed a little bit more of his coverages, just knowing that that's probably how the Steelers will play him. But who knows? Maybe if he goes in there, Miles Jack will take more of that role since we've seen him pick off uh, Roethlisberger a couple times in his career. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah. I think I think it's very interesting that before... Th- this is why I like doing uh, this kind of segment that we're doing, Chris, because we get to like watch more tape and see more players out there. And I think that both the guys that we were not excited about in Leo and even Chad have really jumped up our boards on players that we would want as inside linebackers, which is really interesting. Agreed. Um, So yeah, those are some guys to look out for. Again, I think those are pretty much all day two guys, except for the maybe Damone Clark because of his injury and he will, he will not play next year, but uh, look out for those names. And if you have other names, you know, reach out to us and send us a message. Um, we had a lot of talk about this week, which has been great because these past couple weeks, there hasn't been a lot. Uh, so normally this could be a good time to end it. However, I think what's really important is to keep talking with the people in the community and the fans who love the team just as much as we do. So if you had not heard last week, Chris does a question of the day on the Steelers community page. Uh, please join it. If you have not joined it already, it is from... You can find it by going to Adam Steele's Twitter page. You should follow him, and you need to do it by request now so you're not uh, uh, spamming it and leaving off nasty things. But it is a really good time, a really good place for Steeler fans to hang out. There's a lot of funny stuff on there. There's also a lot of wild takes on there. So it's uh, it's fun. But Chris does a question every single day, and I thought it'd be fun to go over some of these questions because sure. I think we got some really interesting answers. 
So the first one I have here is from August 15th of last week. And we post a question that said, regardless of the era, which two Steeler players do you wish you could have seen play together? I think that's a super, super fun question. And uh, when Chris told me that, the first two, I, I mean, there's so many combinations you could go with. But the first thing that came to my mind, yeah. yeah, the first thing that came to my mind right away uh, was Minka and Troy. And uh, some people also agreed. Uh, Matthew McKinnon at McKinnon dash uh, zero zero. He also put Minka and Troy. Uh, Legend of Steelerheart, Big Slime. He was on there last week. He also put Minka and Troy along with some others. Uh, Allie, I believe she was featured last week too, or um, maybe not, but Allie at Allie NM with an underscore. She also put Minka and Troy. She said that'd be fire. I agree. That's a dream team. And Barry Ross at Barry Ross 89 also said Minka and Troy. There's other some uh, great options out there like, um, well, Chris put <laughs> Najee and Mike Munchak, <laughs> which I agree. <laughs> um, Someone said TJ Watt and Joey Porter, which I think was really interesting that they went with Joey Porter instead of James Harrison, because that would be a nightmare. But Joey Porter, also a great, great pick. Uh, Shazier and Jack Lambert. Golly. Speed and power. I mean, mm-hmm. that's nuts. Um, kind of funny that this is. these are all from Legend of Steeler Heart. He put Wallace and Randall L. I think that's really funny. He said reverse passes would have been crazy. <laughs> I mean, sure. Technically, technically, they did play together because Randall L. was on our Super Bowl team and so was Mike Wallace. Hmm. Something I just thought about now, so it's not really that big of a stretch because they did play together, actually. Um, and uh, the other options, Barry Ross had also Mel Blunt and Rod Woodson shut down. No one's getting by that. And his person with TJ Watt, he put Greg Lloyd. Not bad. Wouldn't mind any of those. I still think James Harrison's the that's the that's the winner one, I think. Oh, without a doubt. There's so many great combinations you could do, Chris. Did you have a separate one there that you had thought of? Uh like you said, there's just a a ton of different Steeler combinations that you could do. Uh I I feel like Everyone that participated in the question of the day did a super good job and brought up way different perspectives, uh, which is the whole reason why we're doing this, right? Is is right. so cool to see the interaction. And uh, seriously, thank you guys for for participating in this. I know we're small, but we're trying to be more of a presence, so we do really appreciate the support. Um, but like, I, I don't know. I think everyone kind of nailed it on the head. I did. I did like my uh, Najee and Mike Munchak. Uh, that, that kind of made me laugh. I would love to see him run behind that line that Le'Veon had. Uh, yeah. That would, yeah, I, I feel like the dude, it was like Mason Cole when he came here. He's like, the goal is to get Najee 2,000 yards. I don't know if we're going to do it with the line we have right now, but we. I feel like that definitely could have been a case uh, if he ran behind that uh, Mike Munchak line. So Yeah, I agree. That was a great, great line. And yeah, and like Chris said, thank you for writing this back. There are some more that we've had because Chris does every single day. There's some really just fun ones. I just kind of want to talk about them. Another question Chris had on April 16th was who are some Steeler players you thought would be stars, but never quite reached their full potential? Uh, 
Brandon at I'm Beast Brandon. Thanks for answering your answer. It's if it's truthful to you, that's great, man. Live your truth. I think it's funny. He wrote Sammy Coates, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. <laughs> and, you know, maybe he was a bit because Coates come out of like Auburn or something. Maybe he's a big Auburn yeah. fan. Um, it was a big op. Yeah. You know, Sammy Coates could have been better, but uh, that's not the first person I would have thought of. There's a lot of Martavis Bryant on here. A lot that of Martavis was my Bryant. big one. And that makes sense. I mean, he had a lot of, you know, uh, issues with the league, with substance abuse and stuff that is also legal now, which is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, big Slime again, back at it again. He listed a lot of names. He listed a Dree Archer, Chris Rainey, Eli Rogers, Big Dan McCullers, which is really interesting. And then also Dennis Dixon, which is super interesting that he said Dennis Dixon, because I never once thought that. However, I uh, wasn't as well into the know of every single player. I knew who Dennis Dixon was. Obviously, he started a couple of games when Ben was injured, but I wasn't into the know of like where he came from and how his college career went. To really have any hype behind him, I just viewed him as a backup, and that was it. So it's really interesting that he thought Dennis Dixon could have been something more than what he was. Uh, but I really do agree with Dre Archer. That I think that's my pick because I remember when we got Dre Archer, I was he was his forty time was so fast. I was so hyped. I remember he had that one slant play against the Giants in preseason. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, "Oh yeah, we just got even better in offense," but. Uh, yeah, he didn't really do much after that. He didn't get a lot of playing time, but also every time he ran the ball, he was just too small. Couldn't really break any tackles. They definitely should have used him more as a slot receiver. But uh, which, last which I do not. think Big Slime said he put him at uh, slot receiver in Madden, and it worked really well for him. So why, why wouldn't it? He's got like ninety nine yeah. speed. So <laughs> seriously, I, I think it's hilarious. Um, Gordon Shumway the third at. Alf 2024, uh, he wrote Lima Swede. Thank you for that Gross. answer. But um, I know Lima Swede was a higher pick, so maybe he was supposed to be a star. I didn't really know enough about him, but he was a big-time bust. If the, if you really thought Lima Swede had potential, then you must have been really depressed. <laughs> well, <laughs> it might have been one. the time. You know, maybe it was like right out of college because what was Lima's? Right. Like a second-round pick or something for us? Like. Yes. Yeah, I I think we all wanted Limas to be a stud, and then he uh, missed like four big passes. And people are giving DJ crap on missing passes. This dude literally was like, "I need to wear contacts." Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, he like, couldn't catch any. Uh, his his uh, best play was a block on a, that was like a Hyde's Ward block, a crackback block on somebody. Oh, yeah, that was he like his best laid play. out the dude. Wasn't that a Ravens player in like the AFC Championship yeah. or something like that? Yeah, something yeah. like that. So he uh, contributed. <laughs> but thank you again for that. Um, uh, another question Chris had on April 14th, every draft is filled with surprises. Was there a player available at any of the students draft picks last year that you wish would have been drafted instead of the players we got? I think this is a really interesting question because Chris and I had, th- there was a motive behind this question and Chris and I had an answer and we were waiting for somebody to say that answer. And people did. Everyone did. And the big the big one that everyone said was the Pat Firemuth pick. Now, I want to preface this before you attack me. We love Pat Firemuth here. We all love Pat Firemuth. He Ooh. was great last year. He he caught the ball. He's going to be an elite tight end for us. 
And you can make the argument that, I guess, other good centers are available in different drafts, but not a prospect comes out like that every year, which is true because there's not nearly as good good tight end this year in the draft, right? However, like other people, and I agree with this as well, I think Creed Humphrey was the better pick there. And if you would have got... If you would have got Creed Humphrey at number two, you wouldn't have had to get Kendra Green at three, and you could have got somebody else to help out the team, whether it be Nick Bolton or uh, or whoever, whoever. But a lot of people said that same thought. Uh, this guy, Trubisky defender at Wilson Simmons 12, he said the Creed Humphrey. Um, and an honest Steelers fan, that official pit fan, also so wish we said uh, the same thing. Brian Muth is good, but I still wish we took Creed Humphrey instead. Um, a lot of people also said Quinn Miners. He was taken the third by um, uh, the Denver Broncos out of NDSU. Ian Alexander and that Steelers fan at that Steelers fan both said Quinn Miners over Green. Actually, he said that Broncos are over Green, which is funny. Which, which to Chris replied, honestly, anyone over Green, which can argue there. And, uh, I, I think he has potential, yeah, but not at center. I think if if we move him to guard, that would be the way better move. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I think we can all agree with those ones uh, right there. Uh, I was going to read another one, but we're running low on time. And also that last question, a lot of the answers I don't necessarily agree with, so we don't need to put these people on blast. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so, so so please, if you would like to. Be featured on the podcast. Follow us at the Northern Seal Podcast. Uh, join the community page. We post there every single day. And uh, follow us on our other socials. We're also on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube. And I, that's my complete sentence. <laughs> uh, thank you again for listening to the Northern Seal Podcast. We are a week away from the draft. Next week, we will be recording the day before the draft. But I will also be doing a live stream of the round one of the draft, and then we'll talk about the results the week after. Uh, Thank you for always listening to the podcast. We are the Northern Steel podcast, talking about our favorite team in the black and gold. I'm Dominic Paskowski. This is Christopher Paskowski. Do you have any last words, Chris? Uh, Nope. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good night. Have a great week. Goodbye. Peace.